0: Welcome to the audio podcast for the main service of Northridge Church. Our hope is that this will be a tool that blesses and challenges you in your walk with Jesus. If you want to learn more about Northridge Church, you can visit us at nrchurch.ca or join us on Sunday mornings at 10am. Until we meet, be blessed and enjoy the word for today. All right, lots of hugs and hellos. It's so good to be together. My name is Anne. It's nice to see you all here today, church family, and those of us watching at home. It's good that you are with us too. Uh, I'm going to tell a story today about my son Benjamin because he's not here. He's at home sick, so I can talk about him. (laughs) Um, I wanted to tell you about a time that I was invited to a fundraiser, and so I was going with my dad. It's the kind of thing he does, and uh, I was going to support a friend who was running for office and so had a campaign fundraiser, and she was really big into education, and I'm a teacher, so that made sense, and so I was going, and Ben would have been about five or six, and he asked where I was going, because I don't often go out without the family, and I was going out with his grandpa, and he said, well, where are you going, and what's this all about? And so I told him, and he knew the family friend too, and he said, and I said, well, she really wants to help education, so I want to go in, and be a support. And, and he said, well, a fundraiser, what's that? And he had questions about that. And so I said, well, they have to raise money. And so he promptly went upstairs, and he found his save jar, and he found his coins, and he told me he was, he was going to give these to our friend to, to help support her. And there was a part of me that was like, oh, you don't have to do that. And then I realized, no, he really wants to do this. He he really wanted to support her and, and give his, his little bit. So he said, You have to promise you'll take these. And I said, I will, I promise. And we put them in a little envelope, and he wrote a note to her, and and I did take them to the fundraiser and I gave them to her. And you know, she she never put those coins in the in the accounts she needed to. And she did keep them in the envelope with the note from Ben. And she said she keeps them in her office as a reminder of who she's serving. And uh, a reminder that she she is in it for, for everybody, including little kids too. But it reminds her of that, that small, that willingness to give. And I was thinking about that as I was thinking about giving today. And I was thinking it, it really isn't about the coins that he gave, it was about that willingness to give in his heart. And so I know that God loves when we give what we have. And I think he can do anything, and he doesn't need the little envelope of coins, really. But he loves our heart, and he loves the act of our giving. And that's what I thought of when I thought of Benjamin and his, his small coins. I like to think that God sees that, and he holds on to those, and he may not need what the gift is, but he, he wants our giving hearts. Okay, I'm going to transition now and I'm going to ask my friend Carolee Buzza to come on up because we're going to transition to a time of prayer. And this is fun. I got to have Carolee with me here last time I was speaking. It's good to have friends. We're welcoming Carolee home from Missions to Costa Rica and we're going to pray for Costa Rica kids. So yay, clap for her. She's home safe and sound, yay. (laughs) So I just wanted to ask Carolee how your trip went.
1: First, I just wanted to thank you for praying for me. I felt um, such strength and health and support my whole time there. And it was um, a very, I felt um, very gifted to be able to be there. Like, it was a a gift from God. And so, unlike any other missions trip, we didn't really have a project. We kind of went there to um, be with Lana and John, who we will pray for, um, uh, who lead Costa Rica Kids, and then another pastor couple who is a little bit further and they've just been reinstalled in Hikotea and we were kind of asked to come and pray and encourage them and so it almost felt like we were visiting family and we're helping them get all set up with things that we were gifted to give them as well so it kind of felt like santa claus also in a bit of a way but then also just to pray and speak words of encouragement over them and um, uh, dream of what the possibilities are there. And also, I don't know how many of you have been, but a lot of people from Northside, Riverside, Northridge had been there. And then to be able to go and see the buildings that have been built by Brent, by Randy Stark and, and the other teams, I, that was, it was amazing to see physically what I've be, kind of been able to be a part of
0: from far away, whether through prayer or just encouragement. It was a gift. Yay. I'm so glad. That's awesome. Thank you for filling us in. We're going to pray together now, church, and we're going to enter into this time of prayer uh, specifically to pray for Costa Rica kids. So we're going to pray from here at the front, and we're going to ask that you join us and pray where you are as well. Um, And so I'm going to get Carolita lead lead us in prayer today.
1: Father God, we pause right now and we think of Costa Rica And we think of your work that is happening there, Lord. The churches that are meeting right now, same as us, Lord, that are are gathering together and worshiping you and the work that you're doing there, Father. And we thank you for Lana. We thank you for John. We thank you for the heart that you've given them for the people of Costa Rica. We thank you for the favor that you've given them. Um, the doors that you have opened as they look to practically help um, children with supplies and uniforms, Lord. And Father, we we think of each community that uh, Costa Rica Kids goes into, Lord, and we, we know that with that physical provision, there is so much more that you have to go with that, Father. And so we pray for lana and john lord we pray for vision for them as they go into those communities that not only are they being received because of the physical help they can provide father but you open doors for spiritual transformation father that your love can be shared your truth can be shared the the emotional healing that needs to happen can be shared with them father and so make a way give lana and john fresh vision for how you will be moving Um, in that way through this ministry, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, and we pray for John, Lord, who has suffered two motorcycle accidents within the last year, Father. We pray for miraculous physical healing for him, Father, and you have so much planted in him for evangelism and sharing your word, Father, and so, Lord, as the physical healing comes in Jesus' name, Lord, we also pray for spiritual boldness and for him to rise up to the calling that you have placed upon him, Lord, and Again, we just we thank you for this ministry. Lana and John will be home um, for the next month and they are raising funds. And so you know their needs. You know the provision that needs to happen. and so Lord, we ask for you to bless them. We know that you supply everything. and so we entrust this ministry and their needs to you, Lord. And again, we just we thank you for what you are doing in Costa Rica in Jesus name.
0: Thank you, Carol Lee. I'm gonna continue in prayer now for our tithes and offerings and for our kids. God, thank you for the tithes and the offerings that are given here today. Thank you, Lord, for the gifts we're able to give and for generous hearts. Thank you for every gift uh, that's given with a big heart. God, I also wanna thank you for each young person that's here today. We wanna bless all these students and we wanna bless all these teachers as they head to their classes to learn more about you, amen. So students, I hope you enjoy your class today. Uh, We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. And David Baza, it's your turn. It's your turn.
2: (laughs) Thank you, Anne. Well, hey, this is your moment. I know that sometimes some of the kids linger and they hang out uh, because this is their comfort zone, maybe with their family. I would encourage you... What happens out there is way more interesting than what happens in here. And adults, uh, don't listen to what I just said. All right. Um, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. Uh, I actually have a few more announcements, which will kind of trickle through uh, as a part of the message today. The first one, actually, if, if I don't know if it's there. There we go. Uh, this next no, it's a couple Sundays from now. October 29th at 7 o'clock. This is something we do. I don't know how much you know about this, but... Um, the, the pastors of Maple Ridge, we're consistently getting together Wednesday mornings, and we pray together, and we pray for the city. Um, it has been—I uh, I may have shared this from the pulpit many times, but uh, I, I went into this begrudgingly. Back when, when Les was a part of it, uh, the ministerial, I felt like, okay, I guess if I'm the lead pastor, I should probably join with the other pastors and pray. And so out of duty, uh, I went to Wednesday morning prayer, and it quickly became an— important important part of my week uh, joining together with other people who are doing the the same thing who are on the same mission and um, it's they become like brothers to me it's it's very it, like it's been very important for me and as an initiative of the ministerial uh, occasionally we get together to do things like this like a, a night of worship from across the city Now, this one's going to be particularly exciting in that uh, there's going to be a report from our Spanish community. I think there's going to be some Spanish worship as well. So Edgar and uh, several of his team, actually, are going to be a part of the service. And so there will be a strong Northridge presence there. And uh, they're always good, but this one might be a little bit better. So uh, on October 29th, if you can put it on your calendar, 7 o'clock, come for a powerful time worship at Maple Ridge Alliance. We look forward to seeing you there uh, it's been an exciting week first and foremost my wife came home Tuesday night so uh, it was I know she's excited about all things that happened in Costa Rica I'm happy there are things happening now back in Canada and I'm happy to have her back things can get back to normal I do not like it when she goes away I, I don't mind it when I go away because I'm busy doing stuff but when she's away and I'm home and trying to be normal it's 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 very difficult um, I've got a little bit of a talk that's got nothing to do with the message, but I, this is a part of my excitement this week. Um, we have been, I think we've done a good job over the years of the first part of our vision, and that's cu- uh, cultivating houseful, household of faith and love. We're doing that now. We're, right now, this is like this metaphorical uh, hoeing of the garden. Can you say hoeing anymore? But this, the, the, the tending to the garden. And, and we're cultivating faith and love. Hopefully, you will leave this place. Sorry, I never should have gone there. Uh, hopefully, you will leave this place feeling nurtured and that, that you're, you're ready. You're a, a step closer towards the Father. You're inspired by what He has for you this week. And you can go and walk that out. So I think we've done that well. And um, some exciting things that are, are kind of, we're back in full swing. We had uh, kids' night out on Wednesday. So I don't know what ages that's for. Do you know Katie? kindergarten grade six. And so that happened this week. Uh, we had our youth group, um, again, as it as it always does on Friday afternoons, Friday evenings. Um, and we've also kind of now we're second week into our Bible study. And again, you are invited Thursdays at seven o'clock. We meet in the office and study the Bible. Ken and Linda Andrews are taking it this semester and leading us as we study God's word. So these are things that I'm proud of. I think we're doing well. That part of our vision is, is in good hands. and has been for a while. There's some momentum to the cultivating households of f- cultivating households of faith and love. There you go. But now, I feel like we're really starting to come into our own when it comes to the sharing God's grace and hope. The second part of our vision. Actually, it's funny. Steve stumbled in this morning. You didn't stumble. You walked in gracefully. Yes, walked in gracefully uh, this morning. And Steve's had a big week. Um, he preached at Brogan's Diner. I don't know how many of you know about Brogan's Diner, uh, but it's a diner in, in Langley. And on Mondays, they open their doors to have some worship and, and the Word, and they serve Thanksgiving dinner 400 to 400 meals. meals. I didn't realize it was that many. Uh, and Steve was uh, asked to, to preach that night. And uh, so he started on Monday... And then Steve is also the first person who has kind of taken up the, uh, the call to come into the English classes. And so he was one of the teachers at the English classes. And again, you probably saw firsthand that we can still use more. Yes, yes. there's lots of lots of students ready to be taught. We've now got the space to teach them in we can we can use more people like Steve. And so that was his first shift. So Monday and Tuesday, uh, these are both actions of sharing God's grace and hope. Even though it's an English class that isn't a Bible study or anything, there, it's it's the church reaching out and caring for our community. And then we carried on. While the Bible study was happening here, we had our first uh, Alpha at the Hope for Freedom Lodge. And I want to hear a whoop-whoop from some of the guys that, yeah, there you go. Actually, we got a picture of it, yeah. So we are sharing God's grace and hope. This is our first group there. Many of you will recognize Ian McKay. Ian and I have done Alpha together. This is probably our third or fourth time doing Alpha together, and um, so I'm excited about partnering with him. Actually, many of you know Rebecca Friesen? I don't know if she's going to come to all of them, but she is a big part of Hope for Freedom Society and uh, discipling there, and so she was there as well. She actually took the picture. I couldn't talk her into coming into the picture. But that happened on Thursday, and then just last night, we had a very special night, and we baptized another four people. This is actually Cheryl up in the top left. She's from Glory House, so normally Glory House isn't a part of our SNL night, but she wanted to be baptized, and she actually became the catalyst for the evening uh, and Then we baptized Dave, Tyler, and Isaac. Isaac was just impromptu. Yeah, you can clap for that. So it, it really felt like we were acting out that second part of our vision, the sharing God's grace and hope, uh, presenting the gospel to people who may or may not have heard it before. And so for me, when I say it was an exciting week, it was more than just my wife coming home. It feels like we are, are moving forward in the, in the way that we're called to move. So that's my little report of uh, why I'm excited. Uh, now the next part of why I'm excited is I get to present uh, the next three gifts today. Uh, but really, I should probably stick to my notes. Um, it's been a great week of seeing people put their giftings to use. Uh, I love um, actually, I, I just wrote a letter uh, for Pastor Edgar. Uh, we're trying to get him a religious visa, I'm just learning about all these different things. And so I was able to kind of describe how when he came to Canada, his first interaction with us is, is he was a part of our coffee team. Him and Angelica, back when we were at Thomas Haney, they would be part of that group. Carol Barnett's here this morning, and she knows what it was like We'd showing up at 8 o'clock, setting up all the machines, making the coffee, and then being the last person to leave because you've got to clean all of the machines before they go back on the truck. And so Edgar and Angelica were a part of that. Then COVID hit. Actually, before COVID hit, they started, Edgar started to preach at our SNL services through an interpreter. But then obviously when COVID hit, he couldn't get together with the inter- interpreter, and he was like, I feel like God's got something more for me to be doing. I shouldn't just be sitting around on my gifts. And so I said, well, we're preaching and putting it online because we can't get together. Why don't you preach in Spanish? And we'll just we'll put it online. We'll see what happens. Well, what happened is God has taken that, and it's growing and thriving. At 1 o'clock, our Spanish service now meets here. It's a it's a beautiful thing. And I think of Steve the same way, where he, he's, he, he always talks down his welding history. Now he's a, a, a foreman. That's not the right term. Yeah. Okay, he's a foreman welder. He kind of supervises welders. And that's his tent-making job. That's what pays the bills. But there's something in him, there's a gifting in him that is eager to come out. And so he says yes to things like Brogan's Diner. He says yes, we go back and forth preaching on Saturday nights. Uh, he says yes to, to teaching English. And, and this is something exciting. It's, it's been a great week of seeing people operating in those giftings that God has given them. Today, I'm going to share on three gifts that are quite closely related. You can see them here. So we've got faith, healing, and miracles. And just a quick kind of not, almost definition. Faith is a strong and unshakable confidence in God, His Word, and His promises. Healing we describe as miraculous deliverance from disease and or infirmity. And miracles are supernatural events that occur outside the bounds of what is natural. So these are three different gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12. And I actually didn't make a slide for this. So incredibly, I'm going to read to you from a paper Bible. It almost never happens because I can't hold one and, and, and read and hold the microphone. But I'm going to read this to you. So just receive this from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers... There are varieties of activities, but in the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for their common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues and to another the interpretation of tongues all these are empowered by empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one each one individually as he wills so i forgot to put those in a slide that's why i had me i had to read there from the from the paper bible so we see this description of the gifts and this is me talking here and uh, I'm, I'm wading into dangerous territory, because this is kind of a, a thought I've had this week. But it seems to me that faith, the first of these three, is the linchpin to all of the spiritual gifts. Uh, for example, you're not going to have somebody come up to you, maybe you've got a, a broken leg, and somebody's not going to come up to you and say, I don't know if I believe in this whole Jesus thing, but I'm going to pray for healing for you. Because who who are they praying for? This this faith is the linchpin for healing. We have to have that that measure of faith to believe in a God who heals and that He will heal in that moment. And it's it's I think in a way same the same with the other gifts that faith really is the linchpin. And we talk about cultivating households of faith and love. And faith has become a bit of a catch-all uh, as far as a, a term for, well, I, I often refer to our faith. But in the process of becoming a catch-all, it's lost a bit of its potency. We can toss around the word faith. Yes, I have faith. And, and you know what? I think people are probably more comfortable with the idea of saying that they have faith. Rather, honestly, I'm, I'm quicker to say that I have faith than I am to say that I'm a Christian. And, and hopefully some of you haven't gotten too tense with that term. I, I tend now to re- describe myself as a Jesus follower. Only because the term Christian has, has been kind of marred. And, and we get more people calling themselves Christian than, than maybe who follow Jesus. And so I want to be really descriptive. I want to say that I'm a Jesus follower. But sometimes I say, I have faith. And, and I, I, I will ask people about their faith. Do you have faith? And it's become a little bit, uh, it's, it's become less potent. That the meaning behind the term faith has become a little less potent. So let's actually talk about what faith is. There is a faith that we're taught to have. The clearest example of the faith that God wants for us is found in Mark chapter 10. This I do have on a slide, so let's read this together. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on on them. This, we describe faith sometimes, and and in response to this section of Scripture, we we describe it as a childlike faith. And honestly, I I think what's being described here is this is kind of the the low bar. This is almost the minimum requirement of faith that we should have. But it's also the faith we should aspire to. This is like if you're going on a ride at Disneyland. Sorry that you're having to do that. But if you're going on a ride at Disneyland, there's those signs that say you have to be this tall. This is like you have to have this much faith if you're going to walk with me. And 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 that's what we're looking for here. It's and it's funny. This this faith can almost seem too simple. When we say childlike, it almost like refines it down to something that is overly simplistic. But it's actually more difficult to have a childlike faith as we get older than it is when we are actually a child. When I was a child, when I was a child, um, I. Everything, my life was governed by my parents' calendar. They set my calendar, and they were my chauffeur. They fed me. I, I didn't have to hunt and gather. I didn't have to go out and buy my own food. Uh, they, they fed me on schedule. They got me to hockey practice. They got me to school. They made sure I went to school and stayed at school. Uh, they were the ones who bought the clothes that I wore. All of my things were provided for by my parents, and they were good parents and so I didn't have to worry I didn't have to wonder about whether my needs would be met I had every reason to have full and uncompromised faith in my parents and we are like this with with most people okay I know some people have some really difficult stories where their parents weren't good parents and so early on they learned to guard their faith in others And the truth is, it gets harder to have this unqualified faith, this this unrestrained faith as we get older because we have these experiences with those around us, with people and with life that causes us to be more careful, a little more protective of ourselves. Because when we put faith in somebody else, we kind of put them in their care. We are, we are putting ourselves uh, under... Uh, we, we make ourselves vulnerable to them. That's the first thing. We're, as children, we are very vulnerable to our parents. We only will thrive as much as our parents care for us. And our parents are physically stronger than us. And so we, we, we're vulnerable in that respect as well. And when we go out into life, when we fall in love, and then we get our hearts broken... We learn, okay, well, I can't be, I can't be quite that willy-nilly about who I give my heart to. I've got to be, I've got to be a little bit more selective. I've got I've got to be more careful about who I give my heart to. And you start to have faith less and you preserve your heart more. You kind of, you kind of almost like a, a scarring, a, 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 a relational scarring that protects you from future harm. And we go into a situation where we, we give ourselves to a job and we pour ourselves, we commit to it, and then we become expendable and we get let go. And that's another thing that uh, forms a scar on our heart where we just don't, we can't trust that that next job is going to be caring for us the way we would hope. It's, it's a journey where we actually become not just chronologically less childlike, But our hearts get hardened and we do more to protect our heart as time goes on. So it really does get more and more unnatural to have this childlike faith. And yet, this is what we are called to. Jesus holds these children up as an example for us as adults. That if we want to enter the kingdom, if we want to walk with him in relationship, we need to open our hearts we need to peel back that scarring and trust in him and have a faith in him. So this is a faith, and again, this sounds very, or excuse me, it doesn't sound, this can be very uh, human in the sense that these are decisions that we can make in our faith. And these are decisions we're called to in our faith. Now, the good news is, is something is happening in behind there too, where the Father is calling Him, call, calling us to him and he gives us the strength to have faith. He gives us reason to have faith. But you know what? I felt convicted this week preparing that I do a lot of teaching. I do a lot of teaching instead of a lot of preaching, To be first of all. And, and I teach that we have reasons for our faith because I like to have reasons for my faith. I like to know that my faith isn't is isn't childlike, to be honest. It isn't foolish. And so sometimes I think I make a mistake as your pastor that I I teach to the reasons for faith when sometimes we need to have faith before we see the reasons for faith. And so I've gone way off my notes. I'm not even sure um, where we're at here. I'm going to read this. As a child, we don't have the history of successes to learn to trust in ourselves. Uh, actually, this is a good point to jump in. I'm going to say that again. As a child, we don't have this history of successes to have this self-confidence. It's funny because I was a very, well, I probably still am, uh, self-confident, bordering on arrogant child. I I kind of felt, and you know what? This is a byproduct of, of parenting too. My parents really did make me feel like I could do anything and be the best at anything. And so I kind of walked with a little bit of swagger and, and felt like I could do just about anything. But really, it, that's something that develops over time. As a child, we don't really have those history of successes to have reasonable trust in ourselves. But as a child, we don't have the history of hurt to learn to stop trusting. As adults, we do have the occasional win to fuel our pride and feed our self-confidence. We develop these reasons why we believe we can do it, that we have the strength to do it. And as adults, we experience hurts which cause us to lose faith and to retreat into the safety of not trusting others. And though this is natural, this is kind of the natural progressive time, it's not okay. Simply put, we need to have childlike faith. That is the baseline requirement. But it's no small thing to have childlike faith. Uh, Matthew seventeen twenty tells us that if, if we have even just a, a small faith, faith the size of a mustard seed, nothing would be impossible. So how do we get that kind of faith? And that's where we go to another point here about faith. Spirit-filled faith is inspired and gifted from God. There's a faith that can't be attributed to human development and to to learning, and to practicing, and and disciplining yourself to be more faithful. When God inspires the gift of faith to us, it's a faith that defies reason. Or, more accurately, it's a faith that reflects a confidence in an omnipotent God who is for us. Here's just one example of faith from the book of 1 Kings. It's the story of Elijah and the prophets inspired by Mark Carroll in our lunch today, uh, this week. Uh, I've chosen to tell it as a story from the message. So read with me. This is going to be on the screen, beginning in 1 Kings 18, uh, verse 17. It goes like this. The moment Ahab saw Elijah, he said, So it's you, old troublemaker. It's not I who's caused trouble in Israel, said Elijah, but you and your government. You've dumped God's ways and commands and run off after the local gods, the Baals. Here's what I want you to do. Assemble everyone in Israel at Mount Carmel and make sure the special pets of Jezebel, the 450 prophets of the local gods, the Baals, and the 400 prophets of the whore goddess Asherah are there. That's fighting words. So Ahab summoned everyone in Israel, particularly the prophets, to Mount Carmel. Elijah challenged the people How long are you going to sit on the fence? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, follow him. Make up your minds. Nobody said a word. Nobody made a move. Then Elijah said, I'm the only prophet of God left in Israel, which wasn't necessarily true. And there are 450 prophets of Baal. Let let the Baal prophets bring up two oxen. Let them pick one, butcher it, and lay it on an altar on firewood, but don't ignite it. I'll take the other ox, cut it up, and lay it on the wood, but neither will I light the fire. Then you pray to your gods, and I'll pray to God. The God who answers with fire will prove to be, in fact, God. And all the people agreed, a good plan, do it. Elijah told the Baal prophets, choose your ox and prepare it. You go first, you're the majority. Then pray to your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the ox he had given them, prepared it for the altar, and prayed to Baal. They prayed all morning long, oh, Baal, answer us. But nothing happened not so much as a whisper of breeze. Desperate, they jumped and stomped on the altar they had made. By noon, Elijah started making fun of them, taunting, call a little louder, he is a god after all. Maybe he's off meditating somewhere or other. Maybe he's gotten involved in a project, or maybe he's on vacation. Don't you suppose he's, uh, you don't suppose he's overslept, do you? He needs to be waked up. They prayed louder and louder, cutting themselves with swords and knives, a ritual common to them until they were covered with blood. This went on until well past noon. They used every religious trick and strategy they knew to make something happen in the altar. But nothing happened, not so much as a whisper, not a flicker of response. Then Elijah told the people, enough of that. It's my turn. Gather round. And they gathered. And he put the altar back together, for by now it was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes of Jacob, The same Jacob to whom God had said from now on your name is Israel he built the stones into the altar in honor of God then Elijah dug a fairly wide trench around the altar he laid firewood on the altar cut up the ox put it on the wood and said fill four buckets with water and drench both both the ox and the firewood I should point out that it hadn't rained for years in this region and so this was a big deal to get that much water Uh, Then he said, do it again, and they did it. And he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time. The altar was drenched, and the trench was filled with water. When it was time for the sacrifice to be offered, Elijah the prophet came up and prayed, O God, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make it known right now that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and that I am doing what I am doing under your orders. Answer me, God. Oh, answer me and reveal to this people that you are God, the true God, and that you are giving these people another chance at repentance. Immediately, the fire of God fell and burned up the offering, the wood, the stones, the dirt, and even the water in the trench. Now, there's more to this story, but you've seen God's gift of faith in action. Elijah had swagger. His confidence, I would say, bordered on arrogance, but his confidence wasn't. It couldn't have been in himself. He was 100% incapable of what he was claiming to do or what he was calling out to have done by God. He couldn't have done that in his own strength. All his faith was put in God. Elijah knew that God's ultimate plan for the story Was And he knew what the plan was, and he had confidence that God would reveal his power for the purpose of drawing his people back to repentance. I want to invite the worship team up, but I have a little bit more I want to share. We see similar gifts of of faith when Peter stepped out onto the water. This wasn't a personal hobby that he had been practicing, balancing on top of the water or anything like that. This was a response to seeing Jesus and having the faith that he could give him to walk on the water as well. We see similar gifts of faith in action when David challenged Goliath. He had no confidence in his own strength. Rather, his faith in God had been built up and proven out in the past when he was with the lions and the bears. Here's the key. David did not measure himself against Goliath. To do so, and which would be the natural thing to do, Okay, I'm 5'7". If I'm fighting a nine-foot giant, uh, I would look at him, and how could I not be full of fear? This is a trained, experienced warrior, fully armed, and I got this little sling. So in the natural, if I'm comparing myself to the enemy, I'm going to be full of fear, not of faith. But David had the habit of comparing his enemy to God. And when he does that, when he sees Goliath and when he sees the God whom he's fighting for, it's no competition. And, and he's full of faith, knowing with great confidence, even swagger, that God is bigger and that he will prevail. That was the inspiration to know that he would be victorious. I actually have a fair bit more to say, uh, but I, I want to take this time to respond in worship. We... we are fortunate to be in this place. You know what? Oh, sorry, I'm going to go on a little bit more. Uh, when it comes to faith, sometimes we can we can reduce our faith to this checkbox of attending church on a Sunday morning. And and, I, and I, I call a spade a spade. Some of you might be here because it's the thing that you do on Sunday mornings. And I'm really glad you're here. Let, let's not uh, mince words here. But uh, if, if the reason for us, if, if our faith is reduced to attendance at a church service on a weekend, we've, we've lost the plot as to what faith is meant to be. Uh, our faith is meant to be so much more than that. It should be a part of us in the same way. You know how when you have too much coffee and not enough food? and you start to get, you kind of have that feeling like you've just got to do something, You're know, like, I, and really what you should do is go get some food. But uh, that feeling is almost the same feeling when we're so full of faith. We know we've been given something by God that we're supposed to do something with it. That the idea of satisfying that faith by ticking the box of showing up at church, it just, it kind of doesn't, doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. That faith should go with us. And it doesn't have to show up at a Tuesday night English class. It doesn't have to show up at the Bible study. It doesn't have to show up on the mission field. It can show up at the grocery store. When you see the person who's panhandling out front and they're in need. And and you see the person who, who's in the park and they're teary. And you're so full of faith. You know that God has something good for them that you can't help to engage. I know this is given some of your anxiety the, the massive boost right now. And he's like, I can't do that. You can't. You're right. But the God that walks with you, that, the God that lives in you, the spirit that's in you, can and wants to give you the power to act out in faith. To, to turn this small f faith into something so much bigger. It's, it, it becomes a part of your lifestyle. It's not a scheduled moment on a Sunday or, a, or on a weekend. It's your life. You live a life of faith. I'm excited that we get a chance to, to walk out that faith together and that Sundays are a part of that. I'm excited that we get to sing together. We get to respond and thank God, the giver of these good gifts, for, for his role in our life, who, who he is. And so I want to invite you to stand and let's worship together. And then I got just one more thing left to talk to you about. Amen. That is who you are. And Father, forgive me for the times when I my faith is affected negatively by the fact that I don't see the things happen around me. I don't see... the the fruits of of your your work. Remind me, Father, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you're constantly available and your will is to to work the miraculous. You, You want to heal. You want to do the miraculous in our lives. And sometimes we get these mountaintop moments where we do see you in action and we see, oh yeah, God is with us. But you are always with us. Father, I pray that you would encourage us to connect with you more deeply. That we would tether ourselves more closely to you. Our faith would grow. And we would put into action the things that you have for us. We would act out our calling and our purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Have a quick seat. Um, i got a couple of things uh, I want to talk about. One is that I missed out on something. And to be honest, it's, uh, it's been, there's been a bit of a theme of missing out on it. We've had a couple in our church who's been with us for a while now. Many of you know Roy and Julie Buglink, And um, we, we are very excited partners with, with groups like Costa Rica Kids, who we prayed for this morning. But Roy and Julie are, I don't know if founders is the right term. Uh, okay, the founders of a similar program in India called India Kids. And it's the same idea, and Roy and Julie have just left, I think just the past week, right? And they've gone to India, and uh, they're there to serve, and they they go on their own dime, and, and, and they are actively kind of raising funds and, and uh, doing things for this community in India. It's been a beautiful project, and so I was remiss in not... Acknowledging them as another part of how how there is, are parts and members of the Northridge community who are actively sharing God's grace and hope, even today, even in the background. So there's that one thing I want to talk about. The other thing, I want to follow up on Ken's prayer from last week. Um, I, I have a confession. This is not going to make me look good. You are going to lose respect for me in this moment. Uh, so get ready for that. Ken came to me at the end of last service. David, I feel like we should pray. For the peace in Jerusalem and but he was more specific than that and I'm like Ken I have no idea what's going on in Jerusalem I have no idea what's going on in Israel and again I can feel the respect just falling away from me right now uh, I'm not I'm not good at keeping my ear to the radio or, or watching the news and so I, I wasn't aware so I, I spent some time this week making myself more aware and we were also fortunate um, our denomination our international denomination, put out four global prayer network does that sound right uh, they put out a, um, uh, a kind of a guideline to how to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and I thought it was so beautiful um, because in it it reminds us that we're not praying for the nation state of Israel to be victorious we're, we're praying for the peace in Jerusalem it goes, it is, is over and above and beyond the division of political parties and, and nationhood. It, it's, we are praying, and this is going to feel awkward, we're praying for the Palestinians in this story. We're praying for the, the people who call themselves Israelites in this story. We're praying for the peace of Jerusalem. And I love the, the way and it actually, if uh, maybe I'll repost it or, or share it, uh, it's got about 12 different praying points that I think are just so brilliant. But I want to do is uh, Ken already kind of kickstarted and got us going. I want to pray again for the Peace of Jerusalem. Let's, let's pray. Father, there's some things about you that we, we know don't change. And there's this immutable truth that you love your creation. You love people. And you love people without exception you love in this room we could have people who have had a history of of real violence even murder and you love them father I know that you love me even through my darkest most gross moments of my life at my absolute lowest you love me I don't fully understand it, but this is an immutable truth we know about you is that you love the people of this world. And, and there's something more to the peace of Jerusalem, but you, we know we don't have to wonder about your will for Jerusalem, for this region that is, is mired in, in uh, military turmoil right now. We don't need to wonder whether or not you want peace there. We, we know you do. And so, Father, we pray today for peace. And and we know, knowing what we know about the, the history of tension and, um, and just the, the awful history there, we know this is a miraculous peace that we're crying out for. But we know, we are we have the faith to know that you are the author, you are the prince of peace. And that you are not sitting in heaven with your hands tied. And so we cry out to you for the peace of Jerusalem, that you would be in that place. You would bring protection, supernatural protection, to all the people, and you would give them wisdom, and you would reveal yourself to them so they would have this miraculous love for each other. I know this is a big prayer, but Father, we come together and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's finish with a blessing here. This will be up on the screen. It says this. May we remember our important encouragement to have childlike faith. And may we experience the gift of faith where we measure our situation against God's strength instead of our own. Church, again, I want to encourage you. There are things that we can do to find more faith, to strengthen that faith muscle. Uh, We can be in prayer. We can have these conversations with God. We can read his word. We can be here on a Sunday and be strengthened by by the fellowship with the saints. These are things that we can do. But we can also ask God for more faith. And the Word describes our God like a good father. And when we ask Him for bread, He's not going to give us a stone. And when we ask Him for faith, He's not going to sit back and go, I don't know if you really need more faith. The answer is going to be yes. He will give you the answer to your prayer of faith. And what you're going to see is you're going to, you're going to have faith. You're going to have strength in moments that go beyond your own. You're going to know this isn't me. This isn't my faith. This isn't my strength. This is a God thing. This is a gift from God. And my prayer for you, and what I'll be praying for you this week, is that you will have not only the occasions to exercise your faith, but you will have the courage to exercise your faith this week. And you know what? It would be a blessing to me and to others if you come back talking about your stories of how God worked through the faith that he used you and, and filled you with faith and that stuff happened this week. All right? Go make stuff happen. We'll see you next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for our main service you want to learn more about Northridge Church, or if you just want to talk to someone about what you've heard on this podcast, please email us at info at nrchurch.ca. We'd love to get to know you better. Until then, be safe and be blessed.